concussions to me are not scary. Mismanaged concussions are scary. Mm. So I need athletes to understand that it's just maybe a day or a week versus their whole career. That's Aaron Smith speaking to the importance of understanding concussions and how to prevent them. Aaron is a shift concussion manager, a holistic life coach, and Alpine Ontario's go-to consultant on all things athletic therapy. Thanks for tuning in to Alpine On Air. I'm your host, Mark, and it is all downhill from here. Let's just start off with um, what is a concussion, because I know there's a lot of different information out there on the internet or from whoever you get your information from. Uh, so what is a concussion? That is a fantastic question, Mark. And part of the um, input that people will have in their opinion is their own experience or what they've also watched other athletes or, or people go through. A concussion is a, we call it now a minor, a minor traumatic brain injury, and it alters the way that your brain functions. Uh, the effects usually temporary, but can include headaches, problems with concentration, memory, balance, and coordination. And through my experience in working with concussions, there are ripple effects of how the body is affected by the trauma. So we talk about a concussion being confined to the head, but vision can be affected, the autonomic nervous system, that includes um, someone's hormone control and gastrointestinal reaction. There will obviously be some muscle and joint issues that will happen just from the injury itself. There's, I, I talk about an MTBI being the spoke uh, center of a wheel and your life being the wheel and each sign and symptom or each body part will be a spoke. And so if one of them isn't functioning perfectly, then that wheel will not function smoothly. This might be skipping ahead because I think we're going to do a bit of a, a myth buster section later right but uh is there such a thing as a mild concussion is there, are there grades of concussions there are there are three um mild means that there's no loss of consciousness a third degree means there's a loss of consciousness period and then a second is a first degree plus or there wasn't actually a loss of consciousness but the brain trauma has been quite significant okay okay well let's get just to get that out of the way um now let's uh talk a bit about you and your role with Alpine Ontario and uh, a bit of your background so and I know some of this but some of this is new to me so great <laughs> we'll uh, find out so what where did your career start you didn't go to western I thought you went to western but you don't <laughs> no <laughs> right I went to a school Sheridan College in Oakville had when I wanted to be an athletic therapist had the only full-time athletic therapy program in Canada so they had to let people from high school right in because it was still a college program. Now it's a post-grad program. Okay. I was going to do this whole bit about like Mustang pride, but <laughs> that's out the window now. You can still do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I went to Washington, so. Yes. Anyway, so you went to Sheridan and then just kind of right into yes. athletic therapy after that? Yes. That um, program prepares you for the national board exams. So I did the national board exams 22 and a half years ago and have been an athletic therapist by title since. Uh, I work here with Alpine Ontario as a consultant athletic therapist, meaning I'm just here to bridge the gap between athletes and staff and having a, a second opinion if need be. 
Um, in 22 years, though, I've diversified quite a lot in terms of what I was interested in helping clients and what I thought tools that would help me help them um, as well. So I've been a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner since 99, and then seven years I've been a holistic life coach as well. Holistic life coach. That's cool. Yeah. It's a, a good title. Um, and what, what you talked about the gap between um, sort of the protocol and the parents or the club can you explain or go into a bit more about what the current protocol is and then maybe I know those are sometimes in kind of medical terms but kind of put into layman's terms absolutely Um, right now Alpine Ontario has a really great concussion protocol available on their website for anybody coaches athletes parents um, support people for athletes and they have a really good description of what a concussion is how it's sustained how the person might feel Um, describes um, the role of a medical professional as well as a healthcare professional. Medical professional being a doctor, they're the ones that give the return to sport okay for somebody. Healthcare professional being someone, athletic therapist, physiotherapist, all the way through. Um, And then it goes right into a graduated return to play criteria. And so when I was reading it, as well done as it is, it sort of leaves an athlete that has been identified and is on the snow, if you will, um, and then is really good at getting him back on the snow, except in between there's there's this big bridge that I call it um, of therapy and rehab and things that can empower the athlete and their family to get the person to feel better quicker. And it was a huge issue in the past where you were just told to go home and sit in the dark and wait. So um, we're very proactive now. We have lots of things to do to help them feel better fast. Yeah, I've heard horror stories. I'm sure other people have too. Of people that have been told that they're just like, yeah, you need to go home, sit in a dark room, can't go to school, can't play sports, and just do nothing. Yes, <laughs> which sounds awful. Absolutely, you can't. Uh, screen time gets shut off completely. So now you can't even watch TV or movie. You can't play a video game. You can't check out on anything on your phone. So instead of that intro, which is very real, and, and that's a vision overload issue that we want their brain to relax and rest, and so vision has to be. Um, shut down in, in terms of stress that we get them to listen to podcasts and listen to music and, and listen to their friends or listen to notes that are from their lectures from class if they're missing class. So there's a lot of stuff to keep the brain busy and distracted without costing them on the backside of um, delaying the healing. How prevalent are concussions in skiing or I guess any snow sports? <laughs> um, the ones Broadly we know about not, or the not, ones we don't know about? <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's a good point. Okay, so this is a great question. I have uh, never touched a skier that hasn't had, had some head trauma at some point. Wow. doesn't have to have been diagnosed as a concussion. Uh, I, I also can say that if they can physically bounce up off the snow, they will, and yeah. they will keep skiing. And this is, this is a bit of the scary part for me is I don't want someone to feel like if I tell them that I hit my head, then being the coach or an, a fellow teammate or a parent, that they think that they're going to get pulled as a punishment. I want to help them understand that everybody's just trying to protect their brain. Um, and in saying that, I, I smile because if I'm an athlete and I just fell and I feel okay and I can pop back up and I don't need a patrol and I can function... Um, then I'm sort of lost in this, well, I look okay, but I don't feel okay. And and that's where we have them come off the snow and, and we have them do some lifestyle changes to help them rest and really heal. And um, treatment's not necessary. I do lots of texting and emails and phone calls with people 
to because you don't have to drive in a car to come see me. That's tiring as well. So I give them things to help them bounce back faster. I have no criteria of timing that they do any of these things, except they have to be symptom free for 24 hours before we intro them to increased heart rate and increased blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it can there's no date. It's just an expectancy of signs and symptoms. But if I um, am perfectly honest, they know the answers to the questions. So if they do fall and somebody has a SCAT assessment, which is a, a concussion assessment tool that we use, they'll tell you everything you want to hear mm-hmm. Just clear them. And that's a scary thing for me because concussions to me are not scary. Mismanaged concussions are scary. Mm-hmm. So I need athletes to understand that it's just maybe a day or a week versus their whole career. Yeah. yeah. How, how much of those symptoms can be, can be delayed? And, you know, if you, you talk about bouncing up off the scale and then they get back up and they're great and they go to the finish line and they're good. And then they go home know, and they're they done. go home. And then like how many of those hit when they're, not surrounded by someone like you or a coach who might be looking out for that. Right. Most of them. Most um, of them yeah. If, if someone is, has fallen and they're down and, and someone's coming towards them, um, our first expectancy is always the worst. And, and we're always, you have to stay here. It was a really bad fall. Well, that's the last thing someone going into shock needs to hear. Mm-hmm. So being very um, supportive and positive and we're just going to be here for a minute. We're just going to see how you feel and literally leave them lying down will help their body catch up because then they can breathe, they can bring their blood pressure down, they can sort of register with what actually did just happen because many times they have no idea. They, they And it's not because they're amnesia, it's because of, of shock specifically. Yeah. So if I approach somebody who's just hit their head, I literally just, okay, so I need to ask you some questions and we're just gonna go through a couple things to be sure of how you're feeling. And it's at that point we make the decision, are we calling patrol or calling an ambulance? Are we going to the emergency room? Or can we just sort of take a few minutes and and do an inventory on how we're feeling? I I say that because literally within an hour, they'll feel different than they did immediately. So the signs and symptoms that they can tell us immediately, and then the hour later tells us how bad their head trauma is or how bad their body trauma is. And I don't treat concussions, I treat people. And so I treat the whole person and some people are really scared or they're embarrassed or they're shy about wanting to admit that they maybe shouldn't be on snow. They don't want to be that person. What's that person? Like I need you to be able to read in a week and, and function and, and just have a fulfilled life of whatever your potential is at whatever level it is. Yeah. What are some of those signs and symptoms or kind of warning flags that parents should be looking for? if they've had their child has had sort of an iffy fall and they're, you know, they're back at home now. And this is a great question because even if you have a very qualified person, a neurologist on the side of the, or emergency doctor or um, a ski patroller, paramedic, me, we don't know the person personally. And so that's a huge thing about personality not being correct. That's where they're telling you what you want to hear, not telling the truth and not to be disrespectful. They're just literally trying to just stay on, on the hill. Um, dizzy headache, um, can't stand up on their own, need support, uh, vision with sensitivity to light, sensitivity to noise. These kind of physical things make sense because they're nerve connections to how the brain works. But the personality, if they become withdrawn, they become extra excited and, oh, I can do this and I can do that, which isn't their normal MO, is usually because they're trying to hide something or, or mask something because it's scary and, and it shouldn't be. And I, I feel like that's that bridge that I want to yeah. help people fill in is 
it's an invisible injury. It's like mental health. There, we can't see that the person feels injured, but if you have a big swollen knee, it's like, oh, they're on crutches. That's sure. just the way it goes. So it's creating that brain crutches for a little while <laughs> is not such a scary thing. And, and we can be very proactive and empower them and, and show them that they're healing. And each hour can be different signs and symptoms. It doesn't have to be, oh, come back in three weeks and we'll see how you're doing. No, no. Like, let me check in with you tomorrow morning and let's see how you're doing. So. Is there a, you talked about the SCAT earlier. Is there, is that pretty much the standard for baseline testing right now? Or is there, I know there's a lot of different tests out there, but is that uh, a good one to use? <laughs> there, Obviously. there are. It is the standard. Um, uh, many governing bodies with sports use it and it's repeatable. And, and lots of people like me that work with different athletes in different sports, it is something that is continuous. So we do know what baselines mean and we know what the feedback and the numbers and, and the objective numbers are. The problem, the only problem that I have is it has its limitations, as do I, is that um, there's not a lot of room for subjective. It's just very objective measuring tools and, and that's because it is repeatable and it can be done um, on the on the hill by a ski patrol. It can be done by their therapist with their team or doctor um, when they get back to their chalet. It can be done by a doctor in a hospital three days later. So it, it is repeatable that way, but there is no room for that individual and the subjective information that comes with it. So um, that's where I really appreciate having met every single one of the Ontario Ski Team athletes and, and them knowing me and I know them enough that I know if they're themselves or not. Right. And if not you, then I'm sure that come, a lot of that subjective stuff can be come down to the parents or their friends or Absolutely. other athletes that, that you know them. Anybody who knows them. Yeah. yeah. And, and having someone that hangs out with them for the process for the rest of that day, mm-hmm. um, even if it's a friend's parent, you know, like it, it doesn't matter as long as they know what their normal is mm-hmm. um, and to be a familiar face because there is a lot of questions and a lot of repeating that happens. And um, it can be overwhelming and exhausting by itself to just be assessed for a concussion. Okay, let's uh, let's switch to the other side of things and talk a bit about concussion prevention. Yes. What are some things? Let's talk about an athlete first. So, what are some things as an athlete you can do to um, increase your chances of not getting a, a concussion? Great. Um, this is a fantastic question, and I'm a big advocate of this. Um, there's not been a whole lot of research done because we can't really tell you if what the conditions are and if you're going to yeah. though um, I spoke of a wheel earlier that has uh, spokes that are different signs and symptoms that can act as a concussion um, for example I had an athlete that is away on scholarship in the US playing hockey uh, involved with Team Canada and she gets a concussion and they all put up their arms and they sort of run away and they're afraid where I've been texting her the whole time and assessing her and giving her things to do and I think she's only having muscle spasm giving her a headache I don't think she has a brain injury anymore. And so they sent her home. And I said, thank goodness, get over here. (laughs) So she came to our studio and and we did an assessment and sure enough, her brain cleared, her vision cleared, every single cranial nerve test that I did cleared. Um, And she had two muscles and spasm in her neck and the headache went away instantly and we gave her some stretches, sent her back, she passed all the tests and she was back playing. So a pseudo concussion can come from, if you imagine those spokes, the vertebrae, if there's been an injury to the ligaments or, or the facet joints, uh, any discs, then we have muscles and muscle spasm. You can have a nerve injury with, with a whiplash kind of injury. You can have a nerve stretch if their arm gets pulled away from their uh, head in, in a stretch that way. Um, there is 
a dural injury. So um, the brain, my, my example always is that, that imagine an egg and your skull is the egg shell. And if you crack an egg, but not all the way through, there's this thin membrane inside. That's the dura in the human brain. And it's, it, ours isn't attached to our skull, it's attached to our brain, but it's in between. And then the brain is the egg yolk. And then the egg white is the cerebral spinal fluid that we call CSF and your brain floats in that. And there's, um, the ratio is it's not as much white to egg as there is in an egg. <laughs> to no, I'm hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, though they all need to be functioning smoothly and evenly. And a lot of times we have injuries um, for minor traumatic brain injuries that are um, a shaking vibration rather than an impact. So if someone just stops fast in a car or they're moving really fast and they know that they need to protect their head, they'll do some sort of cartwheel kind of action with their limbs and, and save their head. But if you will, that yoke has been shaken inside the skull. So um, seeing if there's an injury or, or we can do treatment with craniosacral therapy and um, nerve retraining of all the, the fibers functioning fast. And, and there's a neurotransmitter um, training that happens in neuroplasticity. I'm mentioning these because these are all baselines that I did with the Ontario ski team to see how is your neck? Do you have full range of motion? How are your neck muscles or any in spasm? How's your cranial rhythm? Is it working? If I do a nerve stretch on you, how is your baseline right now? Meaning that I've cleaned the slate or emptied the bucket. So if there is a head trauma, I know that they were completely clean when I saw them. Um, and or if there are layers on top of layers on top of layers, that is a lot of false positive stuff that can come up as a concussion and would not clear and should not clear, um, though it's fixable and it's treatable. Mm -hmm. So everything that we assess, and there's a 23-point baseline test that we do, is treatable. Maybe not by me, but there we refer. It, it's not like, oh, I found a problem. Go sit in the dark. Yeah. Call me in three weeks and I'll test you again. It's it's not like that at all. It's we found something and here's who you need to see and here's what we're going to do about it. So it's really interesting. Though. Yeah. Speaking, we talked about a couple myths already. Um, yeah. The big one being just go sit in the dark. But yes. what are some big myths that you hear often either from parents or from coaches or just kind of floating around? Timing. Timing is a huge one. Everybody has this magic. You had a head injury and then boom, at X days, you're going to be back on snow or you're back in the gym. Right. Um, which that's is all hard. a coach wants to hear, I'm sure. When, <laughs> yes. can, when can they get back, right? Yes. Well, that's what the athlete wants to and, hear. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times people are telling you what you want to hear, and, and that is the absolute worst thing that can happen. Now, in saying that, um, if I have an athlete that fell down and hit their head in, on the race series on Sunday, and then they come to see me, I've given them a criteria and some homework and a home program things, resting hard, if you will, and then doing some exercises that are very specific to stretching their eyes, um, resting from screens. Go, if you feel like going to school, go to school, but that social interaction plus the um, looking up at the board, plus taking notes, plus doing the up-down action, that's too much. So we just pick in, we pull in one thing, and I'd rather it be a baby step that we do three days you know, with progressions, then you just go back to school and now you're out for the rest of the week because that was too much. Um, so timing. Timing um, to me is criteria. It's not based on a, a calendar. Mm -hmm. So sure, the metabolic injury that happens with a minor traumatic brain injury is seven to 10 days. So I know I have to be careful with your brain for seven to 10 days, but that doesn't mean you need to sit down and do nothing. In fact, I've got a whole list of all sorts of good things that you can do and eat and sleep and, and things that will help those axons 
get back their shape and heal and let you feel normal from the inside out. Mm-hmm. What about, um, can you talk a bit about like the exponential damage of having a second um, concussion, either right after or later down the road? Great question. Absolutely. Um, Second impact syndrome or SIS is something that all medical people are afraid of. And I think Mm. that that's where a big phobia went out with. If you've had any kind of head injury, you need to sit. And and I get that. And I appreciate that. Um, If we have not regained full repair from all of the criteria that we've been chatting about, then you are vulnerable that that second impact will not need to be very bad at all for you to be then acting, looking, feeling worse. And so second impact syndrome, the the number one issue with it is that it's fatal. So that's where we get really kind of our backs up and we want to protect people. So when I talk about having a scab on a cut on your arm and you need that to heal and then you need the scab to heal so that it can then fall off so because if you pick it too early then you're vulnerable it's going to bleed again that's not exactly how it works in the brain but it's a good way for a young person to understand um, and a great way for a parent to understand to then be able to chat with their young athlete or just anybody else actually um, second impact syndrome uh, again there's no timing it's it's more just signs and symptoms which is very uh, subjective and objective which is great I am a patient of concussions that were mismanaged and that's why I'm so passionate about this. So I have had eight and um, yes, I had one too soon after the first one and then didn't heal and the the bucket was more full, if you will, to be able to empty it to start fresh. So then I was just walking in everything and hitting my head on everything. and um, No good in that department, but totally understand why I kind of wanted someone to say, you can't go because you're not good yet. Um, and so there's this fine line between I want to go and ski because TikTok the race series is a very short and I have this awesome expectation for myself as do my coaches and parents and um, I want to do it and I know that if I take care of this right now I'll be skiing the rest of this year and next year which is the the risk and, and trouble with second impact syndrome yeah yeah I'm sure there's a big range just depending on the person but do you notice um depending on the age, if they're like a younger athlete that they might just think, oh, I just want to get back there versus uh, an older athlete that might be on the Ontario ski team who kind of realizes the uh, significance and, and is looking further down the road as, as skiing as a career, maybe? Yes, absolutely. And I think a young person um, would not really have the lingo for the injuries and the older experienced athletes are very, they've seen people lose their careers. They've seen people not be able to come back. They've seen people suffering. So that's the the awesome part of experience. But those are the people that I'm like, go talk to the young athletes at the club and tell them just to pay attention to the signs and symptoms and, and manage it properly instead of being intimidated by it. Um, it's also the younger ones that will literally look around and if nobody saw them fall, will just pop up and do what they've been expected to do and get back on the chair and then they start feeling gross. Um, so I think in, in working with the Ontario team, if I say, and I said to them in a sit down, if you just tell another athlete that you hit your head and you feel okay, but not great, but you want to try, that's a huge thing into us not knowing why you fell down when you had a shower at the end of the day. Um, so it's reaching out to somebody and just having a little bit of a support network. 
um, all the coaches that I've been working with on Terra specifically um, totally get that it's not a huge issue. It's, it's not something to be afraid of, but at the same time, we have to jump in and do something. So I think that they've been very supportive to their athletes and, and educating that way. And they all have siblings that they've been educating as well. So Yeah, I think that's huge just taking away a bit of the stigma and making it okay to just be like, yeah, this, this happened. Uh, I don't know for sure, but I'm feeling off or whatever it is that they're able to tell someone about that. Exactly. Yeah. If, uh, if they do want to tell someone where uh, you mentioned that you're a holistic, what, holistic, life coach. holistic life coach. <laughs> yes. And I know you have your own clinic or practice. No. We do. Um, my husband, Oren, is a physiotherapist and we have a studio on our property that we use as a clinic. Um, we also go to teams and then we have a couple of days a month that we're in the GTA. And so baseline testing can be done by many different people. And so I've created mine based on clients that I've seen sort of fall through the cracks. And I, I can't believe they were cleared, but really, of course, they were cleared because the criteria that they had, they cleared. So um, mine's a little bit more specific on the body uh, defense and I'm the warrior for the athlete. So um, mine's very specific. Uh, there are programs like uh, I'm a shift concussion manager as well. There's another program called Complete Concussion um, Impact Test is a cognitive online test that we do. It's about 20 minutes. We set up an account and then it's 20 minutes of testing. That's used by many different groups and different criteria people. Uh, everybody has their bonuses and, and weaknesses with their programs and, and that's why I am proud to be a shift concussion manager but I also have spun it into the Aaron Smith <laughs> yeah. um, baseline yeah. test. And all of those and, and the reason that I'm part of that group and complete concussion as well is that there are baselines to finding cracks and educating and, and learning from other people's experiences and, and troubles. Well, it sounds like a, a very good approach to it. Um, we're unfortunately running out of time, but uh, is there any last words of wisdom or uh, myths you want to bust or anything you'd like to get out there? I just want uh, the support people for athletes and, and anyone who's been exposed to someone who's had a hand injury is that don't settle. Whatever you think your potential is, just keep going and asking people and, and networking and, and quizzing and um, auditioning people is what I call it. <laughs> Audition people to see who you click with and, and who you connect with and, and raise to your potential because there are a lot of really great people out there and really great programs that will let you heal and recover and train and be better than, than the now that we get used to. So the normal, a lot of post-injuries, we get used to a normal. That normal can be whatever potential you want. That's a wicked message to end on. Thanks Great. a lot. Thank you.